Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this April 20th, 2016 edition. I broadcast weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern right here at WeekendVigilante.com. And do sign up for the podcast if you have not. And, of course, get the Weekend Vigilante app by going to the App Store and downloading it. We're working out a few little kinks. And when it's done, it's going to be that is going to be the best app the feedback is very important. We've heard from you and we're making some changes that are just going to enhance the already customized app for you, the listener. I'm doing a series this week, folks, Thursday and Friday, called Invading Enemy Territory Foundations of Spiritual Warfare. It's going to be very good. You're going to want to tune into that. But let's jump into the show today. My guest is Augusto Perez, apostolic evangelist. He is one of my favorites. And it is a pleasure for me to welcome to the program, Augusto Perez. Welcome, Augusto. It's good to be back with you, Sheila. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Augusto, I'm so glad you're on, so timely, because we are truly, right now, we're experiencing things like no other time in history. What a time to be alive. The times we're in, I believe it's a very critical time in history. We are just spiraling at breakneck speed into this hellish, satanically induced moral meltdown. It seems the reactor rods are all going off at once here. And really, it's like no other time in history. Jesus said there wouldn't be anything like it again. It's like a nature hike through Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, and the book of Daniel all rolled into one as the world races towards this end times encounter between good and evil. And I think, Augusta, there's a deepening antagonism developing worldwide against very strong Holy Spirit-led born-again believers against religious Christians. And the absolute gull contempt for humanity that Satan and his fallen cohorts and demons have for us. I mean, we're made in the image and likeness of God, and people are manifesting demonic possession and affliction, and that is child's play compared to what's coming. And yet, this cotton candy church, as I call them, they bumble and stumble along singing kumbaya while we spiral into chaos. And there's a problem with that, isn't there? Well, yes, yes, and and you're you're absolutely right uh, that we are living in such exciting times, times of great upheaval, great unrest. The whole world is in convulsions. Uh, look at all the earthquakes taking place, uh, volcanoes erupting, thirty-eight of them, I believe, right now. We see riots everywhere. We see uh, the terrorism going on the, in, in Europe, and I mean, it's uh, we see the threats everywhere surrounding us, and uh, more than ever before, I believe that we have been warned. I recently had a uh, an experience uh, during one of my trips. You know, I, I had an experience in the middle of a night where I saw demonic entities being released, which basically was like a warning from our Heavenly Father. It was a warning from the Lord basically showing me that this thing is getting real. It's going to get, it's going to intensify. The battle is going to intensify between the kingdom of light 
and the kingdom of darkness. It is, there's going to be a conflict of the two kingdoms, the conflict of the ages. And we are fast uh, approaching that moment. And so the question that begs to be asked, Sheila, is what are we doing to prepare for that? And what are we doing to prepare others for that conflict? The Christians as a whole are not prepared they still have not shifted. Their focus is on religion, on playing games, on maybe keeping a status quo. It's not challenging the enemy. It's not going out there and bringing the harvest in. This is, I believe, where the challenge is. And I believe that the church, and, the, and when I mean the church, I mean the body of Christ, okay, the body of believers, as it stands right now, it's not prepared for that because the, their mindset their way of thinking, their paradigm is basically, uh, it has to do with just, you know, a churchy kind of environment, you know, go to a church, hear a message, and maybe, you know, maybe invite some people to come, you know, maybe that's the approach, but it is not based upon going out to where the people are, where the fishes are, and basically taking it by force. Uh, I'm talking about evangelism, radical evangelism, where young people, especially because, you know, the older people are the kind of the prayer warriors, the ones that train, the ones that discipled. And so the young generation, the younger generation, to go out and bring in the harvest, impact the world, you know, lay hands on the sick, pray for people, you know, release the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is what needs to be happening. And there are some, there are some churches out there that are beginning to do that. But, I mean, we're way behind schedule. And so what we need to be doing right now, and this is what the Lord has uh, placed a focus uh, in, in my life and ministry, is to train uh, others, to raise up others, to begin to do that. You know, a lot of training, a lot of impartation, activating gifts, activating the ministries in others, releasing them to go, you know, and offer the kind of, of training and backup that people need, you know, uh, because they just cannot be sent out there. There has to be uh, uh, someone that is behind them, you know, training them and saying, okay, okay, no, this is not the way you, you did this wrong. Here, this is the way you do it. There has to be that kind of equipping, that kind of training, that kind of, uh, you know, of mentoring. And so there is a, a dire need of that, and it's not happening. So as we go forward right now, and there will always be conferences and there will always be, uh, you know, rallies and revivals and all these things. As long as the mindset is not shifted to what I'm talking about, you know, it's not going to make a difference. There was a, um, a very a famous lieutenant colonel. He was uh, in, the war, in, in the war of Vietnam, in the Vietnam War. And uh, he came up with the three prime questions in, the, in warfare. And uh, as a matter of fact, it became so important, it became such a good principle uh, uh, that they adopted it at many of the military academies, uh, West Point and others. His name was Hal Moore, Hal Moore, Lieutenant right. Colonel Hal Moore. And he basically came up with these three questions. I'm going to ask the people these three questions today, okay? And the three questions that this Lieutenant Colonel asked himself every day as he was getting ready for bed were these the first question he asked himself was, what is happening? The second question he, he asked himself was, what is not happening? And so as he asked himself those first two questions, what is happening? He wrote down on his diary, okay, everything that happened, you know, things that went wrong, things that went right. And then he would ask himself the second question, what is not happening? And then he would go through a list of things that did not happen that should have happened. And then the third question that he asked himself was, what can I do about it? What can I do to fix the problem? What can I do to remedy the situation? And then that's when he wrote things that he could do the next day to take care of the problem so they would not happen again. And so we as Christians need to come to this point where we begin to ask ourselves, these three questions. What is happening in my life? Okay. And then we need to think about things that are happening, good things and bad things. And then the second question we need to ask ourselves is what is not happening in my life? 
And then we need to think about things that should be happening, should be taking place in our lives that are not. And then finally, we should ask all ourselves, because this is something that should be done by all of us. What can I do about it? What can I do to change the situation? And so this is where we have to come up with, uh, with ideas, with the help of the Holy Spirit, on things that we could do, things that we can do that are going to change things for the better. And so as long as we don't uh, do these things, we don't ask ourselves questions, we are going to keep up coming with, uh, you know, the same uh, results. You know, two plus two equals four. It's never going to be five unless you change one of those two you know, parts of the equation, unless one of those twos becomes a three. Something's got to give. And so until people come to that place and they think that they're going to change, but they're not willing to make any corrections, to take any action, take any initiative to bring those changes about, we're not going to get a different result. So that is what I see, Sheila. We are... Uh, right now, that is where we, uh, the body of Christ is. Well, you mentioned a very key word there, and that's intensification. And things are getting more intense. But you also mentioned that military strategy. And there's an old military maxim that states the more you know of an enemy's tactics and his strengths and his weaknesses, you know, you're able to deal more successfully on the battlefield. Like most of these armchair tacticians, they would fare poorly in an actual encounter with the powers of darkness. So, you know, there's this desperate need, as you said, to throw the local churches of Jesus Christ onto a wartime footing. I mean, we got to cancel all these extraneous leaves of absence, these little tea parties and social gatherings and get on to the main business of giving basic training to soldiers. I mean, we've sung too many songs about going into the enemy's camp. In America, they celebrate July 4th, Independence Day, but we should be declaring our independence in the fact that the Lamb of God purchased our liberty. There's so many people walking around in bondage and affliction, and and I believe that's an offense to the cross because every shackle should be broken, every bondage should be shattered, and we need to get ready for battle, and we need to invade the enemy's camp. Now, you mentioned a really good analogy not too long ago about a boxer in the defense mode, taking punches, taking punches, getting pummeled. It is time to actually get on the offense and invade the enemy's camp, isn't it? Well, yes. I have never seen uh, any military unit uh, win by just uh, defending themselves, just (laughs) making sure that they don't get hurt. And uh, that's not how you win battles. That's not how you win boxing matches. That's not how you win any game. I mean, you name it, football game, a baseball game, any one of those games, uh, you have strategies, you have defense, and you have offense. It doesn't matter how good your defense is, how many good pitchers you have, what a great defensive team you have in a football team. It doesn't matter if you cannot score points. And that means you got to go and bring it to the enemy. You got to you got to take the ball and bring it to the end, you know, to the end zone or you got to score runs in baseball, in basketball, shoot, you know, through the hoop. What I'm trying to say is that you've got to win. You've got to score some points against the enemy and uh, the modus operandi of the church right now is based on entertainment and or gathering information, which is not wrong. There there is a place for that. But that is where the majority of the of these meetings, these conferences, this thing is about. It is about bringing information about uh, you know, and I don't, I'm not picking at anybody because everything that is being done out there, it's you know, we need it. We need information, you know, whether it is about the Nephilims, whether it is about the end time scenario. It doesn't matter what it is. We need information. Information is good, but the problem is that the people. Sheila, have become hypnotized with just getting information. And it's gotten to the point where we have just become an information center, where we're just disseminating information, and we're just giving information. And most of that information is not really going to help anybody. It's just informing them of things that are going on, whether it be uh, what the elite is preparing to do or what uh, you know they're doing over there in Russia or what the Chinese are doing or what our government is planning to do. You know, all these things, basically, I'm not saying it's bad, it's good information, but the question remains is, 
how are we going to handle these threats, these dangers? Are we going to fulfill the Great Commission? Are we going to be able to establish the kingdom of God? Because whether Christians believe it or not, and this may come as a surprise to a lot of people listening to this program, the commission given to every Christian person by the Lord Jesus Christ was go. Okay, He commissioned them. He commanded them to go make disciples. Notice he didn't just say make, you know, make converts. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Cast out devils. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. You know, establish the kingdom. And when you go, say the kingdom of God is, is nigh. The kingdom of God is arrived. Why did the Lord do this? And why did he train his disciples to do this? This is something. A lot of Christians don't realize whenever Jesus came to a city, whenever he sends, he sent his disciples to a city to bring the gospel, they always said this thing. He said, tell them the kingdom of God is nigh. In other words, the kingdom of God is here. Now that is a very powerful statement. Why did the Lord tell his disciples to say that? Because when a disciple, a true quote-unquote disciple of Jesus Christ goes into a city, goes into a place, goes anywhere, he brings the kingdom of God with them. Because even, even Jesus told them, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you because within us, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that created the universe, the power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. We have the power of the resurrection. The resurrection power lives within us. That power has the ability to bring the kingdom, whether it be delivering a person from demonic oppression, whether it be healing a sick person, whether it be you know saving a person, whatever it may be. We have that commission. We have that commandment. It is a divine commission. It is not a divine suggestion. And so many Christians think it is a suggestion. It is not. It is a commandment. We have been commanded by the supreme commander to go and make disciples and spread the kingdom. In other words, establish the kingdom of God. And so, again, the mindset of the church has to change has to change from programs, okay, to equipment, from investing in uh, in temples, investing in just, uh, you know, programs and agendas, to investing in people, to prepare them, to equip them, to train them, to raise them up, raising up disciples, raising up ministries, raising up those kinds of things, instead of, you know, building temples that cost millions of dollars, you know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with having a building to, you know, to, to come in there and, and, and be able to teach. But, but the thing is, the emphasis, the focus has to shift. The focus has to change. When we come into a conference, the focus should be on ministering to the people and then training them once. First, ministering, because a sick soldier, Sheila, cannot go out and fight. A wounded soldier cannot go out and fight a soldier that is wounded severely wounded that is 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 discouraged is depressed is wounded he's got bondages it's sick in the body all kinds of sickness and diseases it's got all kinds of problems that that person cannot effectively minister to anybody else so that person first has to be healed has to be cleansed uh, all this junk has to come out unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, depression, all that junk, familiar spirit, all that stuff's got to go, spirits of disease, sickness, uh, that stuff's got to go. So once that person is healed, then that person has got to be restored, and then that person's got to be trained. In other words, that person's got to begin to receive training how to pray, because believe it or not, most Christians don't know how to pray. Learn how to pray, learn how to defend themselves, and then learn how to attack the enemy. That person needs to be trained how to uh, heal the sick, how to cast out devils, do all these things, how to minister to somebody, win them to Jesus Christ effectively. It has to be done, and it's not being done. So the conferences and all these uh, so-called uh, revivals, it has to change. 
Revival is not about people going to a meeting and running around the aisles because they got a touch of God. I mean, that's not revival. Conferences should not be a place where people go and sit down and they get pumped in with a lot of information and then they gather and, and, and they have fellowship, which is wonderful. Fellowship is wonderful. We should all have fellowship. But I'm talking about focus. The focus and the prime directive has got to change or we are going to lose this battle. Well, that's so important because we've really got to get something back in order here, Augusto. Now, you mentioned the kingdom of God. And when you were talking about the kingdom of God here, I was thinking about that scripture in Matthew 11 that says the violent take it by force. It's talking there about from the days of John the Baptist, John came proclaiming Jesus, the one who would defeat Satan. Satan knew his days were numbered. So the warfare intensified, I believe, from that point on. I always ask God, why didn't it say, you know, why didn't it say from the days of Adam and Eve? I believe because John was proclaiming the kingdom of God is here. The word violence there means vital, active, and forceful. That should be the definition of the church. The word force is going after something until you Get it. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. He operated in kingdom principles. I mean, the disciples got some of it, but not all of it. And that is why I believe that Paul was telling us later on in his epistles that there were things hidden in God until now. Everything's being revealed. Some things are hidden until God's timing. And I think right now is that pivotal time where we need to be engaging fasting, worshiping, praying, interceding, because I don't think people really realize the state of affairs. And that, I mean, the terrifying blackness that is descending upon us, Augusto, people are in for a world of hurt here. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, that statement is right there. uh, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent taken by force. Uh, I had a revelation uh, uh, from the Lord uh, some years back when I was in prayer. And, and, you know, I was very concerned about that scripture because it challenged me. I didn't know how to how to appropriate it. I didn't know how to interpret it. I didn't know what to do with it. So I needed the Holy Spirit to show me because he is the he's the best teacher to show me what this scripture meant and and he did he started breaking it down for me and um, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and when he began to tell me about that what that meant was he said it refers to the state of turbulence and change the struggle for the souls of men the violent struggle that the forces of darkness are trying to hinder stop the forces of light, the forces of the kingdom of God that seek to illuminate and facilitate those people seeking the light of God. And, you know, when we come down right down to it, uh, Sheila, what is the real purpose of the kingdom of God? It's to save souls, to stop, you know, to snatch them from hell, to bring them into the kingdom of God and to assemble a force that the, the enemy has to reckon with. And so the violent are those who are passionate people. The violent are not, you know, are not people that do violence, like some people think, or that are, you know, want to, to kill others and use guns. No, 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 no. That's not what he's referring to here. Violent are those who are passionate, who desire to enter and dwell in that place of light and the presence and the glory of the kingdom of God. They want this more than food. They want this more than drink, more than pleasure, or even their own lives. The violent are those who press forth towards the mark of the high calling of God. Day by day, week by week, without losing sight of eternal things. The violent do not throw punches in the air. They are purposeful, single-minded. They are desperate because they have tried everything and everything has come short. And uh, they know that all they have is the Lord, Jesus Christ. The violent are those who have made up their minds that are going to serve the Lord and follow him no matter who comes in their way. Suffering, obstacles, trials, tribulation, uh, hindrances, failures, setbacks, disappointments, no matter the weakness, the regrets, the temptations. The violent are a select group of believers 
okay, the elect, the bride of the Lamb, who don't get excited about their own achievements as much as they are excited about who they are in Christ. They don't get excited about positions. They don't get excited about wealth, money, mammon. Only when they talk about Jesus is when they ex- they get excited. It's when they come alive, only when they're talking about the kingdom of God. The violent are those who have to have the presence and the glory of the almighty God in their midst. The violence won't let religion steal from them the joy of a relationship with, with the heavenly father. And, and so this is just some of the definitions of what the violent are. And then when we come to, they take it by force. What does that mean? And people need to understand what this means, okay? By force, and what the Holy Spirit showed me, Sheila, is like the force is like, uh, it's like leaves and like, and like little shrubs pushing through the dried up, ugly, dead leaves on the ground in the, in the weeks of spring. You know, it's like the winds of the Holy Ghost will come and get rid of the old leaves in the tree of hindrance. Uh, only the dead branches, all leaves remain, okay? Only those dead branches remain. And so the branch that withers and dies needs to be cut off. This is what happens to many churches. They're being cut off. This is what is happening to many ministries. They're being cut off because they have become irrelevant. They have become, if you will, they have become uh, non-essential. They are just basically uh, dried up and shriveled. They are not providing the things that God wants them to do. And, And this has to do with the season. Like I preached in this last conference, Sheila, we are in a different season. What we were supposed to do five years ago Maybe now we're not supposed to be doing that. And there was a time for warning. There was a time for uh, warning the people. And the Holy Spirit told me at the beginning of 2014 that that time, that time is over. Yeah, we will still warn the people. Yes, we will still tell them, you got to change. You got to repent. Bad things coming. Yeah, we still have to do that. But the emphasis, the focus on just warning and warning and warning, the Holy Ghost told me it's over. It's time to bring in the harvest. So if uh, if the people do not change with the seasons, they will be left behind as dried branches. You know, branches that dry up and shrivel and they produce no fruit. And so this is what has happened to many churches, what has happened to many ministry, that one time they experienced the blessings of God. They refused to accept the changes which the Holy Spirit is bringing today, you know, to the body of Christ. And so they don't want to give away. They don't want to allow this change, this move of the Spirit that the Lord is wanting to come. One of the things that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing today, Sheila, is repentance. There's got to be a repentance. There's got to be a people coming together just to repent, just to repent, yes. just to repent and just to ask the Father to forgive them and just ask the Father to bring in just His presence. And, you know, this is something that has to happen. So we've got to shift. We've got to change the modus operandi and go back to what the master said. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And that word there, violent folks. Hey, I believe in the second amendment, but this isn't about gathering shotguns and 50 cows and storing food and building a bunker and hunkering down. The weapons of our warfare folks are mighty. They're more than sufficient. Warfare is a critical part of our walk. And too many people in the body of Christ, Augusto, they're relying on someone else to do the warfare for them. The fivefold ministry is not so people can sit on the sidelines and watch others do it. There is work to be done. The fields are white and people have a part in that. And let's look at a really familiar text of scripture that I think, you know, familiarity just tunes people out to it. But what does 2 Corinthians 3 through 6 say? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience 
of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. Our Lord is a God of war. He's called us into war. Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation. Don't think that I came to bring peace, but to bring a sword. We're at war and it's not a physical warfare. And God needs an A team in this epic end time battle, but he's dealing with at best a D level army and that's an unequipped army. Yes, well, that scripture you mentioned, uh, Sheila, is, is, is very powerful, it's very interesting, and we need to look at the root words of many of these words that are used there. Second Corinthians chapter 10, although we walk in the flesh, okay, that, that is basically referring to our, our lifestyle, okay, the, how we do things in this world. It says, we do not war after the flesh. Now, that word war there is very interesting is the word estrateunomai, which is basically uh, where we get our word strategy. And so we are not supposed to uh, base our, our warring, okay, our, how we tangle with, uh, with, a for, with the enemy. Uh, our strategy has to be <laughs> the right strategy. And that's basically what he's saying there, okay? We do our strategy, uh, our battle strategy, okay? It's not in the flesh. You know, what that should be is we have to uh, conduct a military campaign, a spiritual campaign, uh, and execute. We have to execute uh, the right way, which means it's going to be arduous, it's going to be difficult, and we have to uh, contend with carnal uh, uh, inclinations, you know, with what we want to do and what our flesh tells us to do, the things that we don't want to do. This is how this is how we war, not in the flesh. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. We don't do things that way. We cannot afford to do things that way because our weapons, okay, our weapons, our instruments of warfare, the tools that we use uh, as an offensive uh, uh, warfare, they're not carnal. They're not of this world. They're not temporal. They're not things that pertain to the flesh, but they are mighty. They are powerful. They're, that's the word dunatos, which means powerful, strong. They are mighty to the pulling down, pulling down. Now, that is very interesting because that pulling down basically means destruction, the destruction of strongholds. Okay, so that word pulling down, basically, it's not pulling down. It's really destroying the stronghold. The stronghold is basically like a castle that is being built in a person's life. It's like a, f- a fortification that has been built in the mind of a person. There are things in every one of us because we are all susceptible to these things. I have a friend of mine, uh, you know, his name is Philip, and uh, he's in Texas, and uh, he has a doctor's degree in, uh, in deliverance. Every time I go to Texas, we meet because he and I are, and another uh, bishop, we are on the, um, on the presbytery team of this church uh, that we minister in Texas, where we had the conference. And so every time I go there, we meet for a meeting of the, of the presbyters, and uh, we always talk. We always talk about deliverance. We always talk about those things, and and he's told me many times, he says, we all need deliverance. Some more, some less, but we all need deliverance. Is We all need to be, you know, a process every now and then. We need to, you know, it's like a, it's like a car. We need a tune-up. We need the areas where we have gotten careless, and we need to bring back into alignment. So, you know, we talk about these things. And so strongholds are, are really things that are building our minds over, over years, things, areas that, uh, that we have been careless about, and we have allowed the enemy to build like a, a fortification, a stronghold around that area. It could, be, it could be a hurt. It could be a wound. It could be a habit, a bad habit, that we started like an innocent little habit, and it became a, a fortification. It could, become a, it could be an act of disobedience. It could be a rebellion, a root of bitterness. It could be anything. But it become, it has become a stronghold. So we are supposed to do that ourselves. You know, we have to start ourselves. One of the things, uh, Sheila, that a lot of people miss, and I always try to bring it up because it is important, is in the early church, the Christians didn't need deliverance. The majority of the Christians, <laughs> they did not need deliverance. And we need to wonder why. Why? Because those early Christians live their lives the way they were supposed to. They lived a life of holiness. They lived a life of purity. 
they did not have all these distractions. They knew that when they came to Jesus Christ, the world was gone. They knew that they had to release the world and they had to die to self and they had to follow the master. That was ingrained in them. So basically, you don't, you don't see, we don't see any, any things like that in the, in the early church, in the book of Acts. We don't see Christians needing to be minister deliverance, but boy, what a difference <laughs> two millennia make. And uh, nowadays, Christians are so worldly and so used to, you know, things of the world, and they do not follow Jesus Christ the way they should. They think they can get saved and still hold on to all their junk that they had because it is not being taught in the churches. The churches are not teaching this. The churches are basically telling people, come as you are. You know, Jesus loves you anyway, and he does. But, you know, there is no commitment. There is no call to repentance. There's no call to turn their backs on sin, their backs on the world, and just consecrate their lives completely to Messiah. You know, there is much to be said about this, Sheila. And uh, I mean, this is why we have the problems that we have in Christianity today, because these things are not being taught. Well, and we know that we're more than conquerors, we're overcomers. Well, then, if our faith overcomes the world, then there's obviously a disconnect. Why are so many disciples within the body of Christ living in defeat, living in captivity, living in bondage? You know, people say to me, well, if the devil's under my feet, why is he always on my back? What is going on? I think the problem that we're not having the level of victory that we're supposed to have is, as you pointed out, we've got one foot in the world and one foot in the things of God. And even Elijah at the showdown with the prophets of Baal, he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? When you look that up in the Hebrew, it means you've got one foot in something completely different and trying to have a foot in God. And that does not work. You know, how do we minister to the brokenhearted when we're still in bondage, when the enemy is running roughshod over your home, your life? That's an issue. And we've got to get something back in order here, Augusto, because I believe that the foundations of spiritual warfare in this time, as the blackness comes in, I mean, we live in the most debauched nation ever in the history of mankind. And when you kick on to the curb as a society, well, you're given full license to the devil and the demons. Well, yes, I totally agree. One of the key things that I believe that we need to emphasize, underline, and uh, highlight is the fact that Jesus Christ requires total obedience. This is something that is not uh, preached. It's not taught. That people think that they don't have to be obedient to the Lord. And, uh, you know, all, like that, that scripture you mentioned, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it talks about bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And uh, that thought is basically our mind, our, our, you know, our mindset, our, our intellect. Everything we think about has to be brought to the obedience and compliance of Jesus Christ. And so when that does not happen, because people live in a worldly uh, mindset, okay, they basically have a religion. This is why people ask each other, what is your religion? Basically, it's what do you believe? But we don't have a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It, and this is where we differentiate from every other religion. Christianity is about a relationship with the Creator and with the Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. And uh, that relationship is all-consuming, which means that there is no room to do whatever you want to do. We were bought with a price. This is what the early church knew. They, they knew this. They knew this. They understood it completely, that once they were saved, they did not belong to themselves. They belong to the Lord. They belong to the Almighty, to Yahweh, and through his son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, who had died for them on the cross. So they have been bought by the shedding of his blood. And so if we have been bought, that means we don't longer belong to ourselves. And this is the problem that a lot of people don't think that they belong to the Lord. They think that they belong to themselves. 
their self life is very alive. They want to do what they want to do, what they want to do. And so what the Lord wants, what the Almighty wants is not really a, a high priority in their lives. And so this is the problem. This is the problem that we have in the Christianity, in, the, in Western Christianity. If you go, for example, and you talk to people in China where they're being persecuted, you talk to Christians in the, in the Muslim countries, you talk to Christians in communist countries, you're going to see a different attitude. They are sold out. They don't care what kind of sacrifice they have to make. They will, they will commit their lives to the Lord regardless. And so that mindset, that attitude of uh, total commitment, total sacrifice, and total uh, obedience to the kingdom of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ is what makes that church so powerful. And this is what we are lacking here in America. Christianity has become showmanship. It has become a show. You know, how much you know, uh, how much of this, how much of that, and uh, merchandising. And um, it's not about winning the lost. It's not about equipping them. It's not about training them. It's not about teaching them to be a, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the people become disciples, Sheila, of the Lord Jesus Christ, then more is demanded of them. Uh, a higher walk, a higher level of, of holiness, purity, devotion, intimacy, a higher level of commitment. Nobody wants to talk about commitment. Yeah. But commitment is, is an absolute necessity if you're going to be a Christian. Because without commitment, there can be no relationship. I don't care what kind of relationship it is. First, with the, with the Almighty. First, we have a relationship with the Lord. There can be no relationship with our God without commitment. This can be applied to every area of our lives. We can talk about this in marriage. We can talk about this in friendship. We can talk about this in anything we do for the kingdom. There is this little word called commitment. And without commitment, any kind of relationship and anything we do in the kingdom is going to fail. Because commitment requires sacrifice. Something very few people are willing to do today. People don't want to sacrifice. They don't want to be committed. If something causes them pain, they walk away because commitment will cause you pain. Commitment will cause people suffering at times. And so uh, nobody wants to suffer for the cause of Christ. Nobody wants to suffer for his kingdom. Nobody wants to suffer in any other kind of commitment. And this is one of the reasons why we have divorces galore. People just walk away if they think it's getting a little too hard. Uh, they don't want to work it out. Relationships, they don't want to work things out. So because of pride, because of arrogance, because of inconvenience, because of lack of commitment. So this is why there are, there are so little uh, uh, relationships, whether it be a marriage, friendship, or, or, or relationship with the Lord, because people are not willing to be committed in the Western Christianity. Well, you mentioned sacrifice, commitment, obedience. They all go hand in hand. You mentioned the early church. Jesus and his church, he founded, they were rugged and strong. The apostles brought a flaming, relevant message of salvation for the soul and healing and freedom from demonic bondage. We're involved in warfare and there's victims falling by the thousands and peacetime measures aren't going to do. That's where people have to get real. It's time to get serious because, Augusto, too many churches today, they're only a pale, anemic imitation of the real thing. We should be binding these devils. And yet, you know, people go, well, you know, say a little prayer. And yet they don't understand. Prayer is not a last resort. That should be a first resort, power praying and binding and loosing. And yet people don't get that, do they? Well, the thing is that the mindset is different here in the Western Christianity. The mindset is almost anti-supernatural, first of all. The mindset is uh, the lack of understanding about the, the kingdoms, the king, that there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of God, and the two kingdoms are in conflict. They are a war. That is not taught. That is not explained. Most people don't, uh, most preachers don't talk about it. Be they don't talk about it because they don't understand it themselves, see? And so what they don't understand, they cannot preach 
How can you give what you don't have? First of all, people have to become conscious that we are on a, on a war footing, on a war path. At the moment a person is born into this world, that person has to choose to uh, align himself or herself with the kingdom of God or with the, or the kingdom of the devil. That is a simple. And if a person says, I'm not going to choose, I'm not going to make a choice. Well, you already made a choice when you said, I'm not going to choose. Well, if, you, if you don't make a choice, you automatically are going to serve the devil. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. In order to serve the Lord, you have to make a choice. You have to determine, I will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I will serve the Lord and, uh, and, and not the, 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 the devil. And so that's the first thing. People have to make a choice who they're going to serve. And then secondly, once they do, they have to realize that, that they're going to get hurt. There's going to be um, casualties. Like in any war, in any war, there will be casualties. The casualties come many times because of things we already discussed, because the, the army is not prepared, because the soldiers are not being trained, because the soldiers have not been taught how to use their weapons. The soldiers do not have not uh, cleaned their weapons. They have not uh, ammunition. They don't understand how to fight. So they they go into the battlefield and they start talking to each other, maybe trying to you know drink beer and get drunk. And the, and the, and the enemy all the time is advancing against them. And by the time they realize, it's too late. They become casualties. And so this is what is happening in the, in Christianity, that people are, don't understand what we are facing. They don't understand the dangers. They they are they have a laid back attitude. They think that they can uh, you know do things however they want, and uh, they have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, or maybe both foot in the world, and they think they're in the kingdom and they're just uh, you know deluding themselves. So it it is a very sad condition that we have they, because basically they are in rebellion against God, whether they recognize it or not. That is why most people don't have peace. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people many times and they don't have peace. They, there is no shalom in their lives. And the reason there is no shalom is because they, they have not been reconciled to Christ. They have not been reconciled and they are in rebellion against the Lord. And when you're in rebellion against the, the Heavenly Father, you're not going to have peace. You're not going to have peace. And so there's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. We all have to go through this. We are all like a tree. We are all like a tree. We have roots. We have branches. We have a trunk. A lot of people, what they do, uh, Sheila, is they deal with the symptoms. They deal with the symptoms or the branches of the situation. And even if they cut off the branches, even if they cut off the branches, which is the, normally the way they handle problems, uh, the situation eventually remains unchanged, unresolved, because they have just cut off the branches. They have not dealt with a root problem. This is what we see uh, mostly in Christianity is the lack of understanding, the lack of awareness, and the lack of preparation. Absolutely. And it's time to return to the kind of faith we see in the New Testament church. They believed in Christ's words. They expected the Spirit to do great things. And he'll do the same for us today, but it's time to get battle ready, folks. And that's why it's so important, Augusto, the information that you give out on your program. The spiritual warfare is so important. I'm doing a series on it tomorrow and Friday. You have some amazing resources on your website. Really amazing ammunition. And in the waning moments, Augusto, if you would please lead us all into a prayer. That'd be great. Sure. Father dear, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to address the people that are listening to this program. Father, we just come against every spirit of confusion, spirits of uh, chaos, spirits of uh, ignorance, the darkness, Lord, every one of those, Lord, uh, strongholds that are uh, operating in the minds of the people, hindering them from seeing the revelation of the kingdom of God. Father, we break it. We destroy it. We destroy the yoke. We destroy those strongholds. And Father, we just pray that the blindfolds will drop to the ground. The blind eyes will be opened. The spiritual eyes will be opened. And the spiritual ears will open. Father, we come against all that religious, Lord, earwax 
wax that has accumulated in the ears of the people through the years, Lord, that they does not allow them to hear the, the truth, to hear the unadulterated word from heaven. Father, we just pray that, Lord, these people that are listening, Lord, their eyes be open, their ears opened, and they are able to receive the engrafted word of God, and not only to hear it, Father, but that they will be able to be engaged, Lord, that they will be able to fall into alignment, to come into place, and they will begin, Lord, to do the works of the kingdom, to do the works that you did, Jesus, and to just begin to uh, have an intimate relationship with you, which is what every child of God should do. And so, Father, I pray that beginning this day, every listener, everyone that is listening will begin to build their prayer closet if they don't have one. And this prayer closet, they have to build, Father, I pray that you would guide them and that you would begin to meet with them there daily, that they will begin to draw closer and closer and closer to you, Lord, that they will begin to depend on you, that they be, begin to trust you, and that they will begin to be filled with your presence, filled with your glory, filled with your anointing. I ask you, precious Lord, that you would reach into these people, Lord, and right now, and take out, Lord, remove all things that offend all things that hinder, all things, Lord, that are strongholds in their lives, and we break those things that they be set free by the power of the Holy Ghost, that they may go forward, Lord, and do the works of the kingdom. If there's anybody listening that is sick in their body, we pray that prayer of faith right now, we release healing into their bodies, healing into their souls, healing into their minds, that they will be, Lord, released from the pain, released from the burdens, released from spirits of cancer, released, Lord, from spirits of oppression, released, Lord, from spirits of infirmity in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you praise, Father. We give you glory, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, Lord, for what is already happening, and we pray that you would bring these people, Lord, to you, and you would save them, that you would restore them, and you would heal them, and you would, Lord, bring them into your kingdom, Lord, for such a time as this, for we need, Lord, we need the disciples. We need soldiers in the kingdom. And we pray that this be done for your glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was very powerful, Augusto. Augusto, in the waning moments, please do, for the new listeners, give out your website. Sure. It's uh, theappearance.com. Just like that, theappearance.com. And just go there. And we have newsletters we send out. We have uh, updates and all these things, radio shows. So avail yourself of all the other resources, print them, hand them out, record them, because that's what it's there for. Well, thank you so much, Augusto, for that. And thank you, Augusto, for your time in coming on the program today. Very powerful topic. It is indeed time to engage. And I think this is a very timely message. I thank you so much for coming on the program and do come back and see us soon. Thank you for having me, Sheila. Thanks, Augusto. Folks, that was the one and only Minister Augusto Perez, theappearance.com. The information's bookmarked there today on the bio. And don't forget, tomorrow and Friday, Invading Enemy Territory, the Foundations of Spiritual Warfare. I'm going to do a two-part series. It's going to be very good, and you will want to be listening to that. It's a very timely message. So we'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.